History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Welcome, Biblical Citizens. It's a new year. Our country is certainly divided, and a lot of people are talking about this, but I think there's a lot of uh, rays of hope, strong rays of hope as well. But we are, many believe, in some degree of constitutional crisis, and we're going to talk about that today. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of us who probably aren't in agreement on who should be sworn in as president on January 20th, although it's uh, becoming clear, I think, what's going to happen then, but uh, a lot of dissatisfaction. Today we're interviewing Dr. David Corbin, Vice President of Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College in Pasadena, California, to discuss some of these issues and also the college. Dr. Corbin has taught political philosophy, American politics, international relations, and literature at the University of New Hampshire, Boston University, and King's College over two decades. And while at King's College, he was dean of the School of Politics, Philosophy, and Economics. He's also served in the New Hampshire State Legislature. He's worked with the Heritage Foundation, and he's even been a a candidate for governor of New Hampshire. He's also written some excellent books, including a commentary on the history of the Peloponnesian War. So, going all the way back to the Golden Age of Greece, some of my forefathers perhaps, Aristotle's Politics, and he co-authored Keeping Our Republic, Republic, Principles for a Political Reformation. His articles have been published in a number of well-known publications, Investors Business Daily, New York Times, Washington Times, Associated Press, among others. So today we're going to ask Dr. Corbin about his role at Providence College, and learn a little bit about that institution. And then after the break, we're going to discuss his ideas on the constitutional challenges we now find ourselves in. So, David, I hope I can call you David. Welcome to our show today. Great to be here, Brian. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, This is great. Great, great opportunity to kind of speak into the college and and the newsreels this week have been... uh, Kind of crazy, but uh, there's there's a lot to be said, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you. Excellent. So just a little bit more background. In 2018, you were recruited to Providence Christian College as the Vice President of Academic Affairs. I understand after a three-year search, so they, they uh, obviously set very high standards in that search. Question, what was it that attracted you to Providence College? Because you left a very accomplished career on the East Coast. Well, I think what I was thinking in in 2018 was about the opportunity to do kingdom-building work on on the West Coast. I'd worked at the King's College, which was right in the thick of things in in New York City. Uh, It was a a Christ-centric institution, uh, that uh, helped that hoped to shape um, institutions, and I thought, 
you know, there'd be an opportunity there on the West Coast to do something uh, similar. So uh, when Providence came calling and uh, told me how interested they were in building a, a rigorous academic program and hoping to shape things for the better, um, uh, produce you know, positive change uh, in this world, that was an opportunity that myself and, and my family didn't want to pass up. So that's what brought me here, Brian. Well, I certainly we could use more of that type of influence out here on the left coast. There's there's no doubt about it. And you your accomplishments, I, I can see just reading a, a bit about you, why they would have been so happy to recruit someone of your caliber. Looking at the students, what are some advantages to students who to, who choose Providence College? I mean, why should a student choose Providence well, the education we have at Providence is a classical uh, liberal arts education. And, and what we mean by that is, is an education uh, that, that leads um, young minds out of the cave uh, that, that many minds are in right now, uh, that it prepares them uh, to be free young men and women. And I think that's just so needed in our society today. Uh, we have you know, many students, many of our young, who are just addicted to their screens and they're addicted to... Um, uh, a way of thinking about the world that is uh, very uh, thoughtless. And I think what we want to do at Providence is we want to change that, and we want to, in reintroducing uh, some of the great questions that uh, you should be asking uh, in this time of your life, 18 to 22, and and having them read great books and and having them uh, do so with with faculty members uh, who are as loving of learning uh, at the age of 50 as, as they were at 18. That, that's a mixture, Brian, that, that we think uh, is, is a winning combination uh, for human flourishing. And that's, that's kind of what we're after there at, at Providence. Providence is still a relatively newer college, is it not? How, how many years has Providence been around? Our first graduating class was in 2010, so you're right. We're, we're about 10 years uh, into it. And, and I think that you know, what we've done as an institution is um, we, we haven't followed the way of, of many kind of secular institutions or even Christian institutions uh, that just kind of go with the culture on every trend. Um, I think what we've tried to do is we've tried to look at exemplar institutions uh, like Hillsdale College, for example, in Michigan, uh, see what they're doing uh, and see uh, whether or not that can be done in, in a West Coast setting. So that's, that's kind of what we're about. Yes, we are young, but I think that's kind of the exciting part that, you know, building something new and entrepreneurial um, you can start from the ground up, um, and you're not uh, weighed down uh, by you know, all the trends that are, are kind of, um, infiltrating other institutions. Well, that's that's again so needed. You know, I I was went on your website, the Providence website, and I was trying to put myself in the mind of a student, which uh, carries me quite a ways back, in fact, to Michigan. But um, and I took the video tour of Providence College. And I know this isn't one of the most significant things, but I was blown away by the student apartments. So, again, trying to look at it from an 18- or 19-year-old perspective, again, that wouldn't be the most important thing. But I looked at those apartments and compared to the dorm rooms that I was familiar with, and then it showed that you're right in the heart of downtown Pasadena, a lot of arts and and restaurants and things. So I think that's – I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I think that's – Another plus when you're just looking at the practical considerations of if I'm a student, do I choose Providence? I, I definitely think so, Brian, because I think that, I mean, there's learning going on in the classroom. That, that's true. And 
but the learning that goes on uh, by a student in an apartment where they learn to become an adult, right? they have an argument with their roommate, that type of thing. So what we're really trying to encourage with those apartments a type of independence that is often lacking uh, in 18 to 22-year-olds today. Uh, they, they can buy their own food. They can you know, travel through Pasadena. And they can learn how to become you know, young, mature adults. So learning in the classroom, excellent, but learning outside of the classroom in, in a venue that I think that encourages that is, is very important to us. It's often said, I know, that the best learning takes place after the students have been in class, and if they're back in that apartment talking about and debating about, discussing what they heard, that's where the highest level of learning uh, possibly occurs. Um, Exactly. I'd agree completely. Yeah. yeah. So just before we came on air, uh, we were talking about, uh, just very briefly about shutdowns, especially here in crazy California where schools at all levels have been shut down, I think, more than perhaps anywhere else in the United States. So how is Providence dealing with the COVID environment? How have you been dealing with it, and what's the status right now? Well, back in the summer, we we were very keen on reopening and doing everything we can to get students back uh, to Pasadena, get them into the apartments, et cetera. So we brought uh, our whole student body back, uh, we were able to do so because most of our students are athletes, and there was an exception made uh, for athletes. And then what we've tried to do as much as possible is encourage, uh, albeit it's hard, uh, encourage learning um, uh, through this Zoom setting. And it's just, it really is, Brian, about 50 cents on the dollar. And, and I don't know we're not alone at Providence, but uh, I, I think that we've tried our best. Uh, we have some great faculty who have really gone that extra distance, uh, made themselves available uh, for individual meetings, et cetera, tried to continue to kind of uh, practice that tutorial approach uh, with the reality that, that uh, many students are kind of have the option to learn from home. So uh, definitely not ideal, uh, but we've tried to make our way through uh, this year, and, and we're hoping um, when we get back here in the spring uh, to be able to open as soon as possible. But uh, Every LA Times article that comes out that uh, portrays a picture of horror and, and there's been great loss this year uh, makes it that much more difficult for us uh, with this college age population. So, are most of your students uh, in residence in Pasadena, or are they are they Zoom learning from their various homes? It's about a ninety ten split. Uh, we I think a lot of students wanted to come back, which is a great thing. They wanted that educational opportunity, like you said, to have those conversations uh, with, with their classmates, with their peers. Uh, and I think you know, we learned from the spring, and this is kind of nationwide, uh, that college students want to be in that residential place, that they want to be around their teachers, they want to look someone in the eye, and they want real learning to happen. So I think that's one of the good things that's come out of this, is, the, is knowing the difference between real learning um, and uh, 50 cents on the dollar learning, which is what's happening, I think, at a lot of colleges. I, th- I think that's a good way of putting it. We only have a limited time before our break, but I want to ask you, especially given uh, you're, you're obviously a person of accomplishment, I'll say a large accomplishment, you must have some large goals for Providence College. Can you briefly share over the next three to five years some, you know, maybe a couple of goals that you have for Providence College? Yes. Um, number one, we want to become really the, the elite uh, Western Christian liberal arts college. There are great books programs across the nation that are good. 
there are some solid Christian institutions, like the King's College, where I came from in New York City. And there are some incredibly constitutionally oriented institutions that want to teach uh, students how to be good citizens like Hillsdale College. And what we're trying to do is combine all of those elements of excellence into one institution. Uh, so, so a Hillsdale combined with a King's College on the West Coast. And, and to do that, Brian, it really takes three things. And these, these are things that have been at the center of education from the time Socrates talked with the students. You need great teachers, you need great students, and you need a great curriculum. You take those three things together, you bring them together, and that's where excellence happens. That's where human flourishing in education happens. So that's our three to five year goal. Bring in uh, more of these great faculty, bring in the best and brightest students from around the country, and encourage them with a solid curriculum to be what? Uh, to be a bearers of truth and light uh, to be courageous, uh, not to go with the way the culture tells you to go, not to, as one author has said recently, in quoting Alexander Solzhenitsyn, to live by lies, but to live by the truth in Christ. That's what we're after, Brian. I, I love that, and I really encourage all of your listeners, whether you're a young college-age person approaching college or whether you have uh, grandchildren or children that are approaching college-age, check out Providence College. They have some great materials on their website and stay tuned after a really short break. Uh, I think it's going to be a short break. We're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Corbin about our national political situation. Be right back. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. David Corbin, Vice President of Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College in Pasadena. David, you are an expert in the history of politics, going back to political thought in ancient Greece. And so many of our ideas, don't they, come from ancient Greece. Our founding fathers studied the politics and philosophy philosophy of ancient Greece. So I have a few big questions for you. And my first big question is, what are some of the root causes of our political problems? Because yes, we really do have some political problems. Some might even say, perhaps pessimistically, but that we've, we're in the decline of the American Republic. How do you see that? And again, what are some of the root causes of our problems? Well, I think that the question that was asked at the founding of our republic is a question that we should still ask today, Brian. Uh, that's a question that, that Hamilton gives us, is whether men are really capable of not of establishing good government through reflection or choice, or whether things are forever destined to depend on accident and force. And uh, one of the awesome and incredible um, gifts that our founding fathers gave us is to give us the opportunity to use reflection and choice uh, to um, to build up a constitutional republic. And um, you, you mentioned Greece, um, and this goes back to a question that Socrates asked, that we can pursue justice and the truth, but we have to believe that there's a truth to be pursued, that there's a common good uh, to be directed toward. And we can't allow uh, naysayers in our culture, um, naysayers um, in the West today, that say that there's no such thing as truth and there's no such thing as justice 
uh, to prevent us from having this conversation. So I, I think that that question is really at the center of the crisis of our republic today, Brian. Well, thank you. And I, I again, I, you're, you're stating a lot of truth yourself. Now, you co-authored a book, Keeping Our Republic, Principles for a Political Reformation. And I have a quote here I want to ask you about. We believe that the revitalization of the American regime depends upon the revitalization of our common ability to tell the Republican from the unrepublican, as easily as we can distinguish a Democrat from a Republican, and to recognize that the former skill is vastly more important than the latter. I think that's a little bit of a mouthful for some, but could you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Um, whether you are a registered Democrat or a registered Republican, you know, uppercase R, uppercase D, you ought to, as an American, be drawn to this notion of what American Republicanism is. Uh, American Republicanism means that we are ruled through an empire of laws, not an empire of men, uh, that we put into place a certain constitutional strictures as to how we operate, and we abide by those constitutional strictures. Uh, we don't undermine them. Uh, we don't uh, throw them out. Uh, we don't make them living so they're not important anymore. Uh, and these are the rules to our political life. And, and only by abiding by those and knowing what they are can we flourish as a people. So when, when we wrote that book, we wanted to get those principles out there as to what makes lowercase r Republican government work. And it amounts to this, Brian. You have to have a government where the law is clear. You have to have a government where the laws are exact, where they're transparent. Uh, and where they're practiced and implemented equally across the board. Equal rights for all and special privileges for none. Uh, we as a country are unique in the history of all peoples and having a regime founded on those principles. And this is why it's so tragic if we, if we, if we give them up uh, or we set them aside or we believe that they don't matter. And that's why I'm in education and why I teach politics, because that really is uh, – uh, the game plan for our time. Yes, we want to win elections, but it begins with an education as to what our constitutional republic is. Yes, we need those core principles to make decisions like who to vote for. How can we decide who to vote for or what to support if we don't base it on core, some would say, I would say, eternal principles? I want to ask you about another big topic. It's been a big issue in our country for the last four years, not only in the United States but in many other countries in the world, and that's the whole question of globalism. And you wrote an essay called The City of Globalists, and you talk about the what I would see, I think what you say, are clashing visions of there's traditional Americans who put a high value on individual liberties, and then there's more of a European and also American progressive vision that really sub. Uh, makes that subservient, I might say, to globalism or what you call hyper-globalism or global conformity. Can you talk a little bit about globalism and the possible uh, <clears throat> threats that it poses? Definitely, Brian. Yeah, I, I wrote the essay really kind of influenced by uh, the author of Democracy in America, Alexis de Tocqueville, and, and what he viewed as the danger of the drift towards democratic despotism. Uh, whereby uh, individual Americans uh, would no longer see 
that there's this uh, a binding power of the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom working hand in hand. So that there's a clear notion, right, that we all want to, and I see this in, in your show, we all want to think of ourselves as citizens in the city of God that is eternal, but we also live in this city of, of men, uh, this country, the United States, and how do we have the allegiance to our particular country at the same time as we have a universal allegiance uh, to the city of God? And I think what this current is towards globalism is an attempt to bring heaven to earth and establish kind of an earthly heaven. And I think it's a dangerous movement because it, it seeks to tyrannize. It, it seeks to have total control over the lives of people in this world. And, and I mean, it's, it's, been, um, it's been attempted through various types of humanisms over the last two or 300 years. You can go back to the French Revolution, you can go back to Marx, you can go back to what happened and has happening in China under Mao and others, Soviet Union, you know, Lenin and others. And all of these are earthly attempts, Brian, to create a universal, homogeneous, uh, earthly empire. And, and we've got to do our best to struggle against that because we have to have a clear delineation between the universality of God's kingdom eternally and the particularity of, of our life in this world. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think whenever people have tried and, and, and come to power— to try to create a utopia on earth it's been pretty much a hell on earth and the examples you just mentioned are are a, are a great illustration of that i'm just going to get a really uh, one other big question we just had the big uh, assault on the capitol if you want to call it this week and mi- millions of people believe that the recent presidential election was rife with fraud the presidency was stolen of course, over the last four years, many Democrats never accepted Donald Trump as a legitimate president. Now people are saying Joe Biden is not my president. Do you have any um, comments or, I would say, advice for Christians? You just talked about in our show is called Biblical Christian. What advice do you have for Christians in this political environment? Well, going back to something I said before, um, uh, Referencing Alexander Solzhenitsyn, we cannot live by lies. We, we cannot say that, that lies are, are true. Uh, but we cannot also, Brian, we cannot hide. Uh, we need to go into the public square. We need to have conversations like the one that we're having. We need to have more radio shows um, like yours uh, in which a conversation is taking place. We need discourse. Uh, we need um, civility will only come if we begin to talk with one another and I think that can happen. And I'm, this is why I'm very, very optimistic long term. Uh, if we stress the fundamentals of how you become educated, how you learn about the world around you, how you talk logically about things, um, then, then we can overcome this, this, um, this movement uh, towards um, illiberalism, the movement towards ignorance that we see Uh, in our culture uh, more largely. David, we're going to have to have you on again. We've reached the end of our time for today, but it's been a wonderful discussion, and thank you very, very much. To bless your neighbor this week, check out Providence Christian College. If you have any children or grandchildren, or you're young yourself, and continue to educate yourself about the guiding principles of our American constitutional form of government, start by reading the U.S. Constitution. You know, it's not very long and help to defend it. Till next week.
Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen Let's Roll on K-Praise.